0: Hey folks, you got to join in today. We got a wonderful show. We got Tracy here We're gonna talk about some unique things about seeds vegetable seeds and I guarantee you you're not gonna miss it Wow, so glad to have you on the show. Thank you. Good folks, to Folks, I'm gonna tell you something This lady right here is the what I say the cat's meow We talk about home gardening seed or seeds in the gardening industry. There's nobody out there that's got more information that's more highly respected than this lady right here. Thank you. So make sure you listen closely because you don't want to miss any of this, I promise you. We're going to talk about some unique things today. Okay. Some things that I guarantee you they don't know. Okay. Don't you think so? Maybe. Okay. (laughs) But first of all, I want to touch on something right here. Uh, this is a collard right here that I've been growing for about a year and a half something like that right there let's see if I can let's get one up right here maybe if we do this right here we could see it better We've got a good root system there it's ready to be planted can I guess sure? yep
1: is it the one I like so much it is <laughs> top chop
0: top chop Yay. that is top chop collard and if you're not familiar with top chop collard I wouldn't either until a couple of years ago So for the most part the standard in industry and I just dropped some of my giveaways by the way folks we got a big giveaway at the end of the show. So don't leave. You got to make sure to be a part of that This right here Has really done well for me and I think this is one of the new collars that people should be growing in the the home garden garden. It's real similar to Top Bunch. Top Bunch we know is a leader in the collard industry. It's Mm -hmm. the standard collard grown Is top bunch Mm -hmm. and now we have top bunch too yes but tell us about top chop
1: so top chop is really I think the perfect one for home gardeners and as you know there are those varieties that do really well for large commercial growers those that do well for both and those are really ideal for home gardeners and this is what I think uh, top chop is it's got it doesn't bolt Mm Um, the leaf, as you can tell right here, it's already starting out. It's a big, wide, old-fashioned leaf, so you're going to get more collared. Um, the ones that are out on the market today that are really f- for commercial, they're they're bred to be upright and narrower leaf because they're going to be easy to harvest. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's, Small not, bunch yeah, that's yeah. not what a home gardener right. necessarily needs. And this is why I love this one, is this one's going to fill up your big black trash bag with yep. cutting one big old plant, yep. up, you know? So, it's done well for you too. It has
0: done extremely well for me. Yeah. And it's, the thing about it is, we love it for home garden because it's forgiving. Mm-hmm. It is, a, if you don't harvest it right away, it's going to be okay. It's going to hold for yeah. you. It's not yeah. going to bolt, as you say, or, or bloom. Mm-hmm. So, it's going to be there for you. And for a longer period of time, it's going to have a way longer harvest interval than some of your other varieties. Superior flavor.
1: That's the stem is tender. The stem tender, is tender think, out there.
0: It is my go-to collard right now. Now I grew some of the old heirloom varieties last year. I grew Alabama blue and I mm-hmm. grew cabbage. Nothing wrong with those. I don't take anything against mm-hmm. them. They're different than this right here. This is more, uh, a more productive collar than they, yeah. those are. And some yeah. of those have the unique flavor. This is a good standard collar. This collar to me is a little milder than some of the old fates yep, and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So, Which
1: is, good to try to get your young people to yeah. eat collards. Well, most people it. that don't
0: like collards, and there's a lot of them out there. I tell my, used to be one of
1: those. I said, you
0: got to try these newer varieties.
1: Newer varieties and start to eat them with hot pepper vinegar. Really? And then that'll get you over the hump <laughs> and then you'll just like the flavor.
0: I've oh, never heard that. Yeah. So that takes them to wow. wow yeah. Out of it. Okay, yep. let's move that back out of the way. But ain't that pretty? I love collars. I love collars. I love collars. Yep. Ooh. All right.
1: So, Give me an idea. I'm going to uh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> Sorry.
0: <laughs> All right. So, we're talking about. Tracy is with Sakata Seeds. If you're not familiar with Sakata Seeds, it's one of the premier breeding companies, mm-hmm. vegetable breeding companies, and flowers. And flowers. In the world, mm-hmm. folks. I'm not talking to the United States, I'm talking in the world. So uh, Tracy is the home garden product manager Mm -hmm. for the home garden, Mm -hmm. and uh, she's been around the block a time or two. A time or two. (laughs) And uh, she knows all the industry secrets out there. She'd probably have to kill somebody if she told everything (laughs) she knew. But we're going to talk about the seed selections and how these varieties actually come to marketplace. I thought you guys may find it interesting today, of how these varieties actually come to be. And the, and the sad reality is we all do this once a year we had to sit down and we had to make a cut The reality is some varieties get cut every year from every seed company out there I, I say every seed company I'm pretty sure everybody has to do a cutting at some point point. Oh, yeah. and they have to cut varieties and send them back to the wayside And we always add these new varieties. Well Tracy is one of the ones that makes those decisions What new varieties they're gonna be out there. So let's get started in how does a new variety come to be?
1: Oh. That is a long story. And one of the reasons it's a long story is that the the just pure time involved. So I always say we're not making widgets. We're not printing T-shirts. This is an expensive endeavor that you have to be extremely patient for because just to get a good variety to market, you're talking a minimum of 10 years. Really? 10 years? Yeah. Wow. And think about, like, we have to have goals of what, you know, what the market needs, what the grower wants, what home gardeners are interested in, but you're having to work that far out and hope that by the time you get there, it's still it going to be a need, yeah. and so it works, yeah. So start from the very beginning.
0: Do you? What do you do? You, do you identify what your end goal is when you start?
1: Yeah. So you, you know you're you're looking at the constantly changing market. You're looking at different pressures that come on, like disease pressures, as you know are changing with the climate, right? So there are diseases that gardeners are encountering now that they never used to have to worry about before. Mm-hmm. So we're constantly looking at, you know, all across North America, what are the diseases that we're seeing, both, you know, in the soil, from from insects, you know, what are the things that are popping up places that never did before? And so are those things a bad enough problem that we're gonna have to look at maybe, you know, breeding varieties that are resistant to those so that you'll have better success? most of the time the answer is yes so you know whatever that happens to be you got to then start targeting how am I gonna come up with a variety that's gonna withstand all those new pressures
0: yeah we're seeing we're seeing in the last couple of years we've seen a couple of things pop up here that we hadn't had before
1: yeah yeah there's some it, it's amazing to me that you know people say oh that that plant doesn't have that problem I'm like you just wait it's gonna have it somewhere yeah and yeah. then we're gonna have to deal with it
0: flavor. Quality. So
1: flavor is the other one, um, and really <clears throat> you think about it, we're, we're breeding for a bunch of different audiences, right? We're breeding for the home gardener, we're breeding for a small farmer that's going to sell stuff at a farmer's market, we're breeding for the large commercial farmers. So we've got to make sure we have something that fits all of those.
0: But don't normally speak, and I say normally because I know these exceptions rule, normally speaking it's bred for the large commercial guys, take first priority, because that's where the majority of the volume's at.
1: Normally speaking, as a whole. As a industry. whole,
0: because if you can solve their problems, you can solve everybody else's problems right. as well. So it's normally bred for them. I uh, you know these exceptions to that. Yeah. But normally bred for them and the small farmer next and then the home gardener. We'll kind of get, I am not going to say the leftovers, but we, we, we piggyback on... No,
1: I mean, honestly, that's kind of how it's always been, but that's where... Like, this is all I've ever done. And that when I started, it was like that 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. That's how long I've been doing this. But that's why I wanted to do it, because I wanted to say, like, well, these people need good stuff, too. Like, we have to pay attention to things like flavor. Sure. And so now it's really interesting, I think, because in the market and in the work that we do, it's a really good balance of making sure you're right that you're focusing on what those commercial growers need but then making sure that you also have programs that bring in what a home gardener wants and, and if that's you the fun part.
0: if you get a little age on you like <laughs> like we, we do <laughs> you'll remember back when tomatoes tasted horrible back yes. in the 90s it was yep. it really went bad because the breeding
1: was solely focused.
0: went for storage shelf life and all that kind of stuff and I can remember back when they didn't want a tomato unless they could use a mechanical tomato slicer.
1: And it was bred to not even be to be at the green stage, and it right. was gassed. Gassed. Gas green.
0: Yep. <laughs> we got. Go. <laughs> Thankfully, somebody woke up and, yes. and seen the difference here and started breeding for flavor. And that's what I tell people all the time. Now, these I'm gonna pick on a particular variety here, and it may okay. be y'all's. I'm not sure. Amelia is that? No, it's not. Her. Amelia came out a few years ago, and it was one of the premier. Uh, varieties that have good disease-resistant package, Mm -hmm. horrible flavor. I tell people all the time, and there's still a lot of Amelia grown out there, and if you're a hater on me because of this, it's okay. (laughs) I think Amelia ought to be outlawed. I despise Amelia. It's an easy tomato to grow, but it has no flavor whatsoever. Well,
1: there's no excuse now to have to grow that. That's That's the thing. Now, there are breeders like us who have specific programs that are going to make sure you have all that disease package that you need. You're going to have size, maturity, yield, everything you need, but you're also going to have flavor. But it has to be a specific breeding focus, and that's where the trials like that we do come in.
0: Right. So speaking of trials, so the decision is made, okay, we want to conquer these characteristics for this new variety. We know it's going to be a 10-year problem Mm -hmm. or a 10-year process to get Mm -hmm. this out there. What is the next process? The next process is actually breeding to get those characteristics.
1: Yeah, so the next process is that breeder goes and he says, okay, I'll need... A mom and a dad, right, the parents, and I'm going to cross things and see what I get. And it's this is not, you know, the woo-woo science part. This is traditional breeding where you, you take something with certain traits, you take something else with certain traits and you cross them and you're not really sure what you're going to get. So, you do that a hundred times, mm-hmm. two hundred times, mm-hmm. first round, mm-hmm. plant them all out there, see what they do. Mm-hmm. Go through every one. Make <laughs> your selections. What did this one do? What did that one do? Take the notes on every characteristic about it. And this is something that didn't used to necessarily be done in the spring process, and I'm thinking tomatoes as the example specifically. Taste every one. I have broken out in rashes from tasting tomatoes in our trials, because you have to taste every one, you have to rate it on all of its flavor characteristics, and then you have to look at what came out on top Combined with what has the best plant habit, you know what has the best disease resistance. What has the best yield? What has the best maturity date? And find the ones that check all those boxes.
0: The reality is, it doesn't matter what kind of disease packages got if it doesn't taste it doesn't good.
1: Taste. <laughs> that's right. <Yep. laughs> so, so that's that. You do that. Yep. And you narrow it down, and then you do it again because you can't just look at it once, right? You and you can't just look at it at one location. So they choose like the next round. And then in the background here, they're starting that phase one over again. And then the phase two we take and we plant it in different locations. How does it perform all across the US? Mm -hmm. Narrow it down again. So, whereas when it's say one project that we're working on with one say indeterminate tomato where the phase one started with 120, over the next four years, you're narrowing that 120 down to the best five.
0: To the best five. Wow.
1: And then...
0: <laughs> now, peppers is done basically the same way. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: yeah. Um, it's just not so much of a focus on flavor for peppers, right? right? right I mean, there's right. not that much of a difference there. But you are looking at things like color, mm-hmm. right, and size and, and yield. Because for peppers, especially for home gardeners, you're not going to put all that work into growing a pepper plant, and you get one bell pepper, right, two bell peppers, right. which is typical a lot of times. And
0: for this little side note, for pepper to me... Plant size is huge.
1: Yeah. Yep. And protection from sun mm-hmm. for when those things come So there's all, every crop has different criteria, right? So you go through all these, you narrow the 120 down to six. Then what? Then that's not anywhere near the end because then you don't know if those six are such that they can actually produce a seed crop. That's a healthy seed crop and that can be produced at enough volumes that people have seed and it's available. So that whole next phase is more of a production focused phase. Does does this cross that we made, that has all these great characteristics, can it be produced? Mm-hmm. Can can it, you know, form enough seed? A stable,
0: productive, viable seed.
1: Right, in enough quantity. Mm-hmm. To be available.
0: Now, folks, don't get this confused with genetically modified. No, this no, no, has no. nothing to do with genetically <laughs> modified. That's a whole other discussion there. This is basic breeding. Standard breeding has been done since World War II. Uh, and
1: before. And before. And, and pe- farmers in their backyard did this mm-hmm. way before. Right. It's just oh, a means, more controlled means. environment there yeah. with more... Uh, more, in, you know, more inputs and more resources,
0: and, and, a, and a better educated outcome of what you're yeah, going to get. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, It's interesting <laughs> to me. Now we talk about trial, and uh, this is for cicada, but it's also for most other companies too. Although there are small trials done all over the place, we had a pepper trial just down the road yeah. the other day from our place the other day. Yep. But the majority of the trials is done in three places: in the United States.
1: The majority of our trials, yes, yes. to begin with. Salinas,
0: California, mm-hmm. Hall, New York,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Fort Myers, Florida. Mm-hmm. And the reason and, for that... And
1: Woodland, uh, California. Woodland. And Washington. So I guess it's five Washington places. State?
0: Yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Yeah. Okay. So you do the West Coast and we do the East Coast. Mm-hmm. The thing about the East Coast mm-hmm. is, which I do appreciate, you do one in North, you do one in the yeah. South. Yeah. So we're more... We lean more toward Fort Myers because it's yeah. more of our tight climate. Speaking of, next week, <clears throat> that's where I will be is in Fort Myers looking at some trials down there. I'm going to spend the week down there and, F- and FYI. Learn how to do it. Learn how to do it. And <laughs> FYI, next, not this week, but next Thursday night. We will treat you to a show with me and mr. Donny Glover and we're going to be talking about winter garden So you got to make sure that you tune into that but uh, we're not going to do the usual show next week. It's going to be a little bit different because I'm gonna be down there with Miss Tracy looking that's at right. some trials. We got some interesting things we're looking at down we there. We
1: do. I am going to traipse you through. Top secret. Hundreds yep. of tomatoes, yep. Yep. peppers, yep. eggplants, watermelons. <laughs> but we
0: got some interesting stuff that uh, if things work out, we're going to have yes. coming in later on. Yes. So that's about all so. we can say. Yep. All right. So that's interesting. Uh, so when we talk about, I guess, disease. Peppers and tomatoes probably are the, <clears throat> the two biggest crops we have the most problem with disease yes that we want to breed in for you know most people don't know this but we have a lot of uh, pepper varieties that are tomato spotted with virus resistant yes That's really good for my area because it's really terrible yeah because
1: a lot I mean you think about tomatoes eggplants pepper all they're uh, also solanaceous crops so there's all kinds of diseases Mm -hmm. you know that are going to cross over into those crops and and be a problem
0: so the one that everybody loves grows tomatoes tomatoes most popular garden fruit, vegetables, fruit grown in the garden. Diseases on those is just widespread. Man, it just seems like every time we turn on, we're facing a new disease. Yeah. For us, I mean, we've always had the tomato spotted whip virus, but you know, we've seen in the last few years, we've seen an increase in yellow leaf curl.
1: Yellow leaf curl, yeah. So, so we had these initials, that we have these acronyms we have to remember for all the diseases as, as the breeders mm-hmm. are breeding us into, and TY will be the one for that. And um, yeah, so, it's interesting because there was what we call a disease package that had to be common for every tomato that was bred over, you know, the past however many years. And now as we're moving into seeing these diseases in bigger areas and becoming more and more of a problem, it really has, for us, it has to become a standard part of that disease package so that you're never worried about it. Uh-huh. And that's one of them. Uh-huh. That's one of them. Um, tom- tomato, brown, rugose. Fruit virus. Well, that's a mouthful. I know. I I can remember that. (laughs) Say that that one more time. Tomato brown rugose fruit virus.
0: Okay.
1: I hope I did that right. Okay. This is one that there are my, I don't know if people have heard about it now. There's like, like a little buzz about it now because that was one that, you know, you heard, oh, that's not here. Nobody has a problem with that. But then there, you know, somebody found something somewhere. And so that's one that. All the breeders, we're all having to scramble. We have to test now the seed to make sure it's not in the seed. Once that seed is produced, but
0: this is so new of a disease so that we're not, we don't have any known resistance to this. No,
1: we're all working very fast, right. And there are things coming out very what soon. What does the
0: characteristics of it look like?
1: <laughs> it's brown. <laughs> but here's the thing: like I've seen, I've heard people talk. You know, wipe that'll wipe like out. It's like a virus. She just guess. wipes up overnight. gone. Yeah. gone. And so those are the kind of things, those are kind of scary for mm-hmm. breeders because when something comes along like that, that and you you know the whole breeding process is, is so time consuming, you know, you got to scramble and do things pretty fast. And so those are the kind of serious things that we're trying to look at.
0: So yeah. the Department of Agriculture and their finite wisdom have put a <laughs> virus <laughs> testing on all the yeah, incoming seeds see. from everywhere yeah, to yeah. try to control it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I mean, it's always something, man. It's always something. but <laughs> By the time we thought we got it conquered, boom, something else yeah, hits us. Yeah, And, and I don't know if you, how much y'all doing on this right here, but nematode resistance.
1: Nematode. So that's one that, you know, this is interesting. Nematodes used to be a big problem, and I'm talking like 50 years ago now. And so at that time, that was like a very popular resistance to having tomatoes. All your old-timey tomatoes that have any kind of resistance are gonna have root-not-nematode resistance. And then for some reason, like, I, I don't know, there were other diseases that came along that were more had more financial implications, I guess, for larger growers, and so that became not a top priority. But again, when we're looking at things for the home gardener, like in, at Cicada, that's still a problem. And if it's harder to find tomatoes that really do well against that, we need to make sure that we're including that. So that's a good example of one where we can that. Can I tell you, I tell you my, my philosophy for. on that? Yeah.
0: And I got this from my wife's, uh, he's, he's dead and gone at uh granddaddy. He told me they used to grow blue lupin. You know what blue lupin is? uh used to grow as a cover crop here. He said it was Uh, everywhere. He said they couldn't find out it was a host for root-knot nematodes. So they quit growing that, and he's told me they started doing, they started finding out that crop rotation had a a huge effect on controlling the nematodes. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I think that they stopped growing some of these hosting. Cover crops, mm-hmm. and they started doing a better job with rotation, and mm-hmm. I think they got it somewhat under control there, and it wasn't as near as much yep. as an issue is it yep. is returning. And, and out. You didn't hear about it, and then people it?
1: stopped breeding for it,
0: and now they but don't, that
1: knowledge is lost. Don't, things are happening. Right.
0: When's the last time you seen blue lupin?
1: Oh,
0: a long time. Yeah. <laughs> wonderful. 20, wonderful. Years? One of the best uh, soil builders they are. Yeah. yeah. But it's huh. a host for nematodes. So, yeah. So, anyway, it's
1: interesting. Look
0: up blue lupin if you don't know if you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's a good one. So. But, uh, yeah, interesting, man. That's wild It's what all is being done. I thought uh, nematodes and peppers, same thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things in peppers that, well, you mentioned you know, a lot of the crossover tomato diseases, but the peppers that we looked at or that you looked at out here, they're really looking at trying to get things. I mean, they need the basic disease package, but they're trying to look at things like making sure the peppers are a really large size and they're the pretty four lobe shape mm-hmm. making yep. sure that the plant habit that you talked about has what we call good cover
0: and yield
1: because yeah because the it's from the Sun so right. those leaves have to cover those peppers as they're turning from green to whatever color they're mm-hmm. gonna be so that it doesn't get sun scald
0: one thing that I appreciate about Sakata's breeding program regardless where it at, is a, is a focus and emphasis on foliage I really yeah. appreciate that because that's huge for us in the deep south. Mm-hmm. Tomatoes and peppers, uh, those two I can speak to. Yeah. But the uh, the foliage on cicadas, tomatoes, nobody can match
1: yeah. it. And the peppers too. I mean, really? if you look at the habits of our pepper plants, I mean, the fact that we spend so much time, the breeders spend so much time looking at that plant habit, how the leaves cover the fruit, like it's great to have all the disease resistances and the yield and the fruits coming up. But if they get scalded and you know you've just wasted it all right, that time right right so yeah the plant habit cover is very important there's got
0: to do that yeah. all right new things is coming from cicada come on tracy <laughs> build the beans here
1: <laughs> well let's see well <clears throat> i think the most exciting thing that i have been working on which is what i was using example earlier are our indeterminate tomato varieties and again this has been something and we're going to be
0: looking at those <laughs> next week and you
1: are and I hope we can find you something very special yep. because there's going to be a lot to choose from. But I think the reason it's so exciting for me, it's because it is so focused on flavor. Um, to the point where, I mean, not only am I out there for every reiteration of the trial that we do and tasting every single one. I've got, you know, several of my colleagues coming in. We've got all kinds of people testing, making notes. We have traits for flavor that we have everybody assign, like a one 123 through 10 score for, we, we do a whole bunch of work tabulating and all, it, you know it's really interesting. It's like all this gets dumped into an Excel spreadsheet and we're like staring at numbers, but it's really about the flavor. The other fun thing about it <clears throat> is that we're doing analysis on the chemical makeup of it. So you slice it open, you put a slice of tomato you know on this glass board and you run these tests in the lab that can tell you exactly what the chemical compounds are And the volatile compounds and what makes it up and when you do that to all the ones that you're over here actually tasting and scoring then you start comparing the data that you get from both sides and you're seeing what's making this taste good Mm -hmm. and then you can say well this parent has high levels of x so therefore, it would probably make a good flavor tomato. So let's be sure to use that one in our next round.
0: So and, it's, uh, it's, really,
1: it's really interesting.
0: One other thing I really like what you do there is you take the leaders in that that spectrum, the yeah. competition, might yeah. I say. You take the best of the breed <clears throat> out there and you put them up against your new yeah, variety. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: And that's yep. with all of our trialing that we do, right? So the breeder has these goals and they have these specs that we're trying to meet. But we also have to look at well what's already out there, what's succeeding in the market, what to pick either home gardeners or commercial growers, where they go to as the one that's working the best. That's our control.
0: Can we beat that?
1: Can we beat it? If yep. we can't, there's why bother? Right. Like, let people do that one. Right. But those are always our controls. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's one that's a very important thing about trialing. So it's a lot like any sort of like a medical trials or anything you're doing with trials. You know, it's important to have those controls and those checks set. So that you're always trying to go above and beyond, not just a me too, we call it.
0: So that's interesting. That's one thing that differentiates us against, I'm not going to say all, but some of the other seed dealers out there is we really focus on traits of these varieties that we bring to you because the reality is not all of you are facing the same issues when you grow Mm -hmm. in your garden. People in South Georgia is going to be facing different issues than somebody and North, Northern North Carolina. Yeah, and we've got to know the difference of those varieties when we tell you which one that we recommend for you to grow in that area There's got to be a reason behind that and we spend a lot of our time looking at these trials talking to people like Tracy Figuring out okay. These are the ones that's going to work in this particular zone here mm-hmm. I think Tracy I don't know if you agree with me on this or not, but I think we as the seed industry have done a disservice in the past the way we do things about trying to sell a variety to everybody
1: Yes, because Again, we're talking generalities, Mm -hmm. right? But by and large, in generalities, because seed breeding has typically been more towards the larger commercial grower, Mm -hmm. those things are bred for certain what we call slots. So a slot is a specific time in a specific place. Mm -hmm. So in general, varieties tend to not be what what we call widely adapted, so that you can pretty much grow them everywhere and have success. That's another thing we have come back to is what is the most widely adapted? That's why we test in so many locations. That's why we send it to people like you mm-hmm. for you to test. Right. Because if I hear what your problems are here
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: compare it to what someone else's problems are in upstate New York, then I can see how widely adapted it is. And it could be
0: different. And I mean it, could it, may different. Be, it may be it maybe it grows well, then it doesn't grow well yeah. here. And
1: but that's okay to have both. So it's yep. important actually. So we're really looking for things that are widely adapted mm-hmm. that just about anybody can have success right. with. But at the same time, it's okay to have things more specific because, like we were talking about earlier, there are certain disease pressures and problems that certain areas have that others don't. Well, they need a solution too. Sure. So that has to be...
0: I think what you're going to see, and and we here at Hoss are really working on this hard. I think we're going to do a better job of that in the future. I'm not just talking about us, but I think everybody's going to do a better job in the future of of doing, you know, giving people what they need to be successful where they're at. The way it used to be done with seed catalogs, it was just general, you put it out there and it's out there Have for a the year. But I, I do think, I think we, and I challenge our group all the time, we consider ourselves to be customer-centric. Yeah. You know, we got to do a better, we got to do a better job giving the customer what they need to be yeah. successful. So that's And
1: that's an important question to ask. Like I, I asked this question of one of our product managers uh, last week. We were looking at what our, we come out with new varieties every year just like you do, right? Mm-hmm. And we're working on that now of things to present to you. So we're looking at certain things and it was a squash.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. If That guy's watching. He's going to laugh at me because I texted him. I was like, okay, what's the deal? Like, because I used to be in your position. I Mm -hmm. was buying from Mm -hmm. people like Scott. I was like, what's so special about this? Like, tell me what the deal is. Why would I buy this over all these other ones? Like, you have to convince me first.
0: Sure. And I then all of a sudden, all, all
1: this information, I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yep. Like, now I get it. Yep. Now I know why, yep. we, you know, a grower yep. should try this.
0: Yep. Don't tell me. I mean, I got to know why I got to add this one and I got to delete yeah. this one. And if you got to
1: do the same thing. If you
0: if convince me of that, I'm all for it. But yep. otherwise, I'm not interested in yeah. it. Yeah. And corns is the same way, especially Ooh, on that corn That hard. <laughs> Thank
1: goodness. We all do that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, that's good stuff. Let's get into some garden spotlight of the week. All right. So we've got. Katie and Charles Ellis from Deetsville, Alabama, Zone 8a. Why don't you look at their I was garden? Just over garden. There. Ain't that nice? Little raised beds there. I believe that's some greens there. What does that look like? Green Magic broccoli, Ooh. red cabbage, red jewel. Matter of fact, Savoy King. Oh, listen oh, yeah. all of ours. Yep.
1: And you know what's good about those? Those are all the widely adapted ones yep. we're talking about. Right. Easy success. Easy
0: to grow. Yep. And that's what we want people to be successful. I want you look at this picture right here? Wow. See what that is. just like tomatoes,
1: doesn't
0: it? Yeah, uh huh. All right, let's see what kind of tomatoes they got. Also, they had flash collars. Is that flash? Is that y'all? Mm-hmm, okay. it is. Yep. I can't tell exactly what that is, but that, that's got to be tomatoes. Look how big they that's are. That's huge. Yep, these are probably, these got Healthy. to be indeterminate. <laughs> good, cover.
1: Yep, good cover.
0: Yeah, good cover. Probably a cicada variety, yep. <laughs> And oh here's tomatoes for sure right here. Make sure I get this. Oh, right there. they
1: have even got them strung up. Oh, yeah, yeah Those are nice. some
0: indeterminates I yeah, can tell. Yeah, yeah. nice foliage air. Yep. Yep <laughs> So there you go. Good Thank protection. you Katie and Charles Ellis Deeksville, Alabama zone 8-8.
1: Impressive.
0: Impressive.
1: Huh?
0: Oh, yeah Clusters. Oh the, that tomato was uh Florida 91. Ah, yeah. Florida 91. Yep. Which
1: again is one of those that it's good for the Southeast. Yep.
0: For the specific problems that you would see down here. Florida 91. That's a good heat set variety. Yeah. All right, folks We've got something special. I talked about a giveaway here So we're toward the end of our garlic season Ah. So we had some garlic back there that got mislabeled. We didn't know exactly what the word And the whole Chaos of things that happens sometimes. Okay, so we've got grab bags of garlic these garlics got several cloves in there. So that's enough to plant a decent sized little garden We've got 13 bags, folks, of oh. grab bags that we're gonna give away today. 12? 13. 12? 13, 13, unlucky 13. I guess 13. that means I don't get one. So we're gonna give these away today and what you've got to do in the comment below you got to put in I love garlic and you do that we'll pick your name you send us your shipping address and we're gonna send out 13 free grab bags. I'm jealous. (laughs) Twelve? You want
1: one? That's what just trying to get.
0: I'll fix you up. We got twelve grab bags. Okay. So the first twelve people that uh, put "I love garlic" in the comments below, we're going to get your information. We're going to send you uh, one of these nice grab bags, and it's way more enough there for a regular raised bed. So when do
1: you plant
0: them? Now. Okay. Yep. Plant them now. All right. Onions. You love to grow onions? Yeah. No, no. we love onions. We grow onions. My granddad used to love growing onions. So we've got short day onion plants This week and next week we're gonna be we're in the middle of onion onion shipping out So we're which we, this week we shipped uh, Sapelo. Okay. Sapelo is a variety that is named after an island off the coast of Georgia oh,
1: really? Now
0: all these are Vidalia type sweet onions. Also, we got so which is red. when we ship those this week Next week, we're going to be shipping so far, which is the red one, sappolo, which is a nice big yellow onion that stores well, and Fidora. Oh, that's a nice
1: thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Fidora. And so all get, short
1: day. Because lot, they're for all short
0: year. days, and you plant them in November, you yeah. overwinter them, and you harvest them in springtime, and you get those big Big old sweet onions. Yep, so if you don't have placed your onion order get it in there and get them out
1: And then you can make what I'm making for Thanksgiving, which is onion casserole onion casserole with Vidalia onions. Yeah oh, Yeah, look it up. It's
0: good. All right. So the old goat folks the old goat figurine is on the set somewhere On the set somewhere and you got to find it and put it where you find it in the comments below and next week We will do <laughs> next week. We'll do a draw for this week's winner and last week's winner is okay. yep, <laughs> Greg Page. Show everybody right there. Greg is the winner of this week's old goat. And look here, what Greg is going to get. I'm oh, going to get you a pair of these I right like here. Those too. These are the coveted get dirty socks. Like these you can only get by winning the old goat. Ah, okay. So there's very few people in the United States just walking around wearing the old. I love it. they get dirty old. They get dirty socks right there. Greg, send us your secret information and we'll send you out a nice pair of get dirty socks. Nice. All right. Yeah. I think we covered everything. Good. Man, it was an honor you. to have you here. I look Thank forward you. to next week. Yep, that yep. sounds good. Thank you for joining us. I knew it would be a wonderful show today. Great information right there, folks. You may want to rewatch it again so that you don't miss nothing. Information there that you probably can't get anywhere else. Just valuable industry. Veteran advice and information there. Good. Yep. Sounds good. Thank you. Nuts. time for you to get out there and get dirty.